You're listening to a podcast by Abide Church and Pastor Dan DeBell in Tulsa, Oklahoma. We pray this podcast helps you live, love, and look more like Jesus this week. Enjoy the message. Hey, before I get into my message, I want to just give a little bit of a recap for uh, our giving campaign. As most of you know, we are have been meeting in this space. Um, uh, originally, we said temporarily, but we've been here for a long enough time where it's like, hey, we're just we're just meeting here for right now <laughs> is the way to say it. And uh, we've been meeting here since Easter. And uh, Global Ventures is our missions organization that we partner with. And they're an amazing group of people, um, amazing group of missionaries that have incredible fruit. So we're honored that they would open up their space for us to use. And uh, we've been here. And during this time, though, we have been preparing for our next step as we continue to grow as a church, as we see new families come. We've just been preparing for, Lord, what do you have for us? next, believing for our our own space, and in doing so, raising money and putting money aside in what we call our house fund. We've been in a giving campaign that's just called God's House, Our Home, and that's what we're looking for. We acknowledge, first and foremost, it's God's house, but we are looking for our home where we can put our name on the building and we can put down some roots, and we have a, a physical space to do more things, not just on Sundays, but throughout the week. And so in the, a little bit less than a year, we have seen $67,000 come in, which is amazing. That's what That was the total from the beginning of September. Uh, last week, I'll let you know that we broke into the $70,000 range. Come on, somebody. You can cheer for that. That's a good thing. We've continued to see more more money come in. And so next week, I'll have a a little bit more of an updated total for you. But we said, look, our goal is we're starting at 67. By the end of the year, our faith-filled goal, stretch goal is we want to see that fund get to $100,000, which means we need to to bring in $33,000. You can put up that that next chart. So we've been going over this. I've been saying, because a lot of times we think of $33,000, that is a lot of money. And so it's like, how are we going to get there? That's a great question. And so we came up with a big faith estimator where it's like, how many people would it take doing what amount of giving to get us to uh, $33,000 within four months? And so basically we broke this down. I've been kind of explaining it. And, you know, at the very bottom, if 60 people said, hey, I can give $100, not just at once. I mean, once is great, but over the next four months, which we kind of broke it down, you know, by, by month, by uh, week, uh, hey, I, if, I, if 60 people can do that, if 30 people can give 250 over the next four months, that, that those people added together will get us to our goal of 33,500. Here's what's exciting. Here's what I want to share with you today. And if uh, you came prepared to give, we'll put the different ways you can give up there as I'm talking about this. But um, what I want to talk about today, I want to share with you, is when we see everybody that has set up reoccurring giving, and we can project forward, hey, with this reoccurring gifts that are set up and the people that are giving consistently, adding those together as pledges and adding in what's already been given, whether it's a one-time gift or just a few gifts that aren't reoccurring giving, we have seen that um, projected so far, the, 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 what people said, hey, I'm going to commit to giving is just over $15,000. And so if no one else gives and no one else changes anything, but they commit to the reoccurring gift, we are going to be really close to already meeting half of our original goal. And so, yeah, we don't have the $15,000 in hand, but that has been pledged through the reoccurring gifts that have been set up. And so that's what's exciting is to say, all right, Lord, it's nice to, to do that math though, because otherwise you're looking like, all right, the, the month's almost over and we got three months to go. But God's, uh, when we do that math, God reveals to us, no, there's a lot of people that are saying, hey, I'm here for the long haul, right? I'm going to be continuing to give. And so I want to say thank you, thank you, thank you for your generosity. This sets us up in such an awesome way to prepare for our next step. And I don't know exactly what that will look like, whether it's purchasing a building, leasing a building, 
I know to share a little bit of my heart is that we would uh, be able to get into a space to be, to be transparent, uh, that I would love to get into a space that is already a church space. Maybe it's an old church building. Maybe it's a property that has uh, you know, a space for us to build. I say that simply because there's a lot of churches in Tulsa, if you haven't noticed, but I always hate to see kingdom property go anywhere besides being in the kingdom. And so I, it, it, people sacrificially gave to build churches in this space. And my prayer is that, Lord, there's gotta be somebody on the other end of our prayer. There's got to be a pastor who's outgrowing his space. Maybe their church is outgrowing or maybe they're just ready to pass the baton, whatever it is. Lord, there's somebody. There's enough churches. Statistically, there's got to be a church that's praying the opposite of what we're praying. And so you never know though. It could be a church building. It could be uh, a bunch of other options, but we're going to do our part, steward our money well, continue to set money aside so that when God opens the door, we can walk right through and we're not panicking saying, ah, I wish we would have done our part. No, we're gonna do our part right now and uh, so that God can do his part, amen? Hey, if you, if you want more info on this or if you want to take this home and pray about it, in the seat back in front of you, we have these, these uh, commitment cards, basically. It shows you kind of this, that chart that I had up there in case you uh, don't have a photographic memory and you're not going to remember that when you go home. Take it home, pray about it. You can fill out one of these cards. It just helps us, like I said, if, uh, if you set up reoccurring giving and you fill out one of those cards, it helps us know how much are we projected to bring in. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to pray uh, over our giving. I pray over our church and then we'll hop into the message. Heavenly Father, Thank you once again for your goodness. Thank you, Lord, for being a part and being the head of our church. I thank you that this is your church, Lord. Uh, we're just here to steward it and to submit to your will for our church and do what you want for this church. And Lord, I pray for everyone that has committed to give. I pray for all of our givers that have given, Lord, faithfully of their tithe, their offering, and above and beyond to our house fund. Lord, I just want to say thank you. Thank you for bringing generous people. Thank you for releasing the finances we need to do everything that you've asked us to do. I pray that you continue to bless us us as we are giving to and taking care of your bride. Lord, I thank you that it does not go unnoticed when we take care of your bride, take care of your body here on this earth. Lord, I thank you that you are seeing it and you will take care of us. Every need will be met in the name of Jesus. Everyone said, amen. Amen. Uh, hey, today we're going to continue in our series called The School of the Spirit, the School of the Spirit. We've been talking all about the Holy Spirit, and uh, we've been talking about how uh, there's been a lot of things done in the name of the Holy Spirit that uh, should not have been done in the name of the Holy Spirit. You know what I'm talking about? You ever been in a, uh, in a service before? You ever seen a YouTube video before where you just think, they're saying this is the Holy Spirit, but I just, something doesn't quite feel right in my spirit about this. I think all of us could probably relate to that. And so what we want to do in this series is bring some clarity. So we've been talking about who is the Holy Spirit? Um, what are some misconceptions with the Holy Spirit? What are the gifts of the Spirit? We've been talking, what, like, what's the baptism in the Holy Spirit? We've talked about all these different things. Today, we're talking about a big one. We've been asking these big questions each and every week. Today, we're talking about a big one that has a lot of misconceptions, which is, what is praying in tongues? What is praying in tongues? Now, if you're sitting there and you're like, oh boy, it's one of those churches, huh? Uh, let me put your mind at ease, okay? Something I always say is this. Whenever you came in, hopefully you got a note-taking card. If not, right at the back of the room, we have some back there. Uh, I would encourage you, I like to say this, don't ever take my word for it. Take God's word for it. There's a reason we give you note-taking cards. There's a reason I use a lot of scripture is because I want you to go home and read it in context in your Bible, don't just take anything that comes from the pulpit. A lot of well-meaning pastors have steered a lot of people away from God. And I say that with a broken heart, that that would be the truth. But I, it's been the truth. And so my prayer is this, is that we would be mature believers in the sense of, you know your Bible, not just my Bible. You know your Bible, not just my Bible. 
that's when I grew up spiritually. I got to a point in my life where I realized I know my pastor's Bible and beliefs better than I know mine. And I said, uh-oh, that's not good. And eventually I had to say, you know what, I got to get in my Bible and make sure I have it in here. And that's where spiritual maturity comes from. When it comes to praying in tongues, I talked about this several months ago in our prevailing prayer series. I talked about it from a little bit of a different angle. So if you want more study, go back to that and watch it. Uh, this is a big deal to talk about, though, because 1 Corinthians 14, 39. Uh, in fact, if you brought your Bible, you can go to 1 Corinthians 14. We're going to be there basically all day. But 1 Corinthians 14, 39, Paul says, Do not forbid speaking in tongues. Do not forbid speaking in tongues. So that should get our attention, right? Have I been in a place where... Uh, or have I been forbidding people saying, hey, you better not do it. You better stay away from it. You better not even mess with it. That's actually against what we see in scripture for the New Testament church. He says, do not forbid uh, speaking in tongues. But here's what I want to talk about when it comes to praying in tongues. I want to make this abundantly clear. I talked about this last week with the gifts of the spirit. Praying in tongues is not for salvation. Hear me in that. I'm going to talk about a lot today. I'm going to talk about why it's important today. We don't earn salvation. It's a free gift, okay? However, the gifts of the Spirit and praying in tongues are for our spiritual success here on this earth. They are important in that sense. But here's what often happens. People will say, well, I pray in tongues and you don't. And what do we do? We look down our nose at other people saying, well, I'm a, I'm a better Christian than you are. And that's totally unbiblical. Last week I said the gifts of the Spirit are not so we can look down at people and say, oh, we're better because we operate in the gifts of the Spirit. The gifts of the Spirit are so we can lower ourselves to serve other people better. That's the point. And so I may pray in the spirit, but that doesn't mean I'm better than someone else. If anything, the Holy Spirit doesn't make me better than you. He makes me better than me. He makes me a better me. That's what happens. And even better, he makes me more like Jesus. That's the whole point and that's the whole goal. He's gonna give us boldness. And so last week, let me just recap here. I'll get into point number one, then we're gonna get after it. I got my boots on today. So uh, we're gonna go to work, y'all. Come on, somebody. Uh, last week, I talked about the gift of the, the, the gifts of the Spirit and I talked about the gift of tongues and the interpretation of tongues. The gift of tongues is when someone gives a word of tongues, which is outside of our understanding, it's outside of English, and then someone else interprets it. That's in a public setting and in agreement with 1 Corinthians 14. That's the gift of tongues. Okay, I talked about that briefly last week. Today, though, I'm going to mainly focus on what I like to call on a few other pastors I follow and theologians call the, the grace of tongues. So it's a difference. There's the grace of tongues, which is for our personal prayer language in our private time outside of our understanding. It's for my personal time. It's not for public use. It's not for look at me. It's not for me making a show about myself, doing it really loud during service so people will see what I'm doing, how spiritual I am. No, that's not what we see in scripture. And I'll show you that here in just a second. I'm going to mainly focus on your private time of praying in tongues. So let's break it down. Point number one is this, if you're taking notes, it is a language of the spirit. What is praying in tongues? At its base form, it is a language of the spirit. And this is important to understand. <clears throat> First Corinthians 14 verse two says this, he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. For no one understands him. However, in the spirit, he speaks mysteries. So, uh, you know, is it ever wrong to talk to God? You, you can answer. No, it's not, right? It's not. Praying in the spirit is what? I'm not talking to men. I'm talking to God. So that's a good thing, right? Well, it's a good thing when I talk to God. It's a good thing when I pray and I talk with him. So it's not something that's unscriptural. If anything, it's a really good thing. I'm speaking to God. How? In the spirit. Let's continue. Verse Corinthians 14, verse 14 says, for if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. 
What is the conclusion then, or what will I do then? What am I going to do about it? I will pray with the Spirit, and I will also pray with the understanding, or my own language, the language I know with my mind. I will sing with the Spirit, and I will also sing with my understanding, or the understanding. So this is a really important thing to know. If I pray in tongues, my spirit is praying, not my mind. My spirit is praying, not my mind. My mind doesn't understand what's happening. And this is why so many times when people try to begin to pray in tongues, they put the brakes on and they say, ah, I don't understand this. I don't know what I'm saying. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And I'm going to show you why that's important here, here in just a second. Bear with me here. But I think it's important to know in 1 Corinthians 14 that Paul says both are important to do. Both are important to do. What does he say? He says, I will pray in tongues. I will pray in my understanding. For us, we would say, I am going to pray in tongues or in the spirit. I am going to pray in English too. I don't just neglect one, do one and not the other. No, it's a combination of both. But how many times do we just only rely on praying in our own understanding? I only ever, because it's a little bit uncomfortable to pray in the Spirit. So I just rely on my own understanding, my own English prayers. But I want to remind you that the Holy Spirit has more understanding than we have. He has more understanding than we have. And we can tap into his wisdom, his knowledge for our lives. So here's the big question. If it's a language of the Spirit, why do we need a language? Why a language, right? Like, Lord, of all things, right? This feels a little strange. Why do we need a language? One of the biggest problems with, the, with humans or Christians is that, is that we think our way through to God. Does that make sense? We think our way through to God. I'm trying to figure God out. Like, if I can see it, I'll believe it. If you can prove it, I'll believe it, right? Show me so I can wrap my mind around it. And if I can wrap my mind around it, yeah, sure, I'll believe that. But that's not what we see in Scripture. It's not always, uh, I would say it this way, God is not a math problem to be solved. He's not a math problem to be solved. In fact, if we could solve him, I don't know if I'd want to serve him because that's a small God. If my human mind can figure everything out about God, not a very big God. But here's why, here's, here's the, the deeper of what I'm saying here. God is a spirit, so as a spirit, he must be discerned. He, he must be discerned. He must be, you can't just think my way through to God. I have to discern him at a deeper spiritual level. Let me show you 1 Corinthians 2 verse 12. It says, now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God. That's the Holy Spirit. That we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. These things we also speak, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the carnal man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. So let me put your mind at ease with something that it feels uh, contrary to, to what you naturally will think, but don't be upset when worldly people can't understand this thing. That's what scripture shows us. It's foolishness. Why would you tithe, why would you get, why would you tithe and give God the first 10% of your money when it comes in? Foolishness. They don't understand the principle behind putting God first in every area of my life. Why would you pray in a language that makes a bunch of weird noises and that's communicating with your God, foolishness to them. 
But what does scripture show us? There's power behind it. And we understand things, the deep things, the mysteries of God are revealed to us through the spiritual discernment of the spirit. Not prove it to me, then I believe. No, Lord, I'm gonna, I'm gonna let your spirit minister to my spirit and I'm going to receive deep things of God, the mysteries of God to be revealed to my heart. So don't be upset when you're talking to somebody and they can't comprehend why you do things in your life because it's a spiritual principle. Don't be upset with them. It may seem foolish to them, but they can't receive it. They're carnally minded. Now, there will be a moment and we need to pray for a moment where God is calling that person home and they are beginning to be open. I mean, you pray that their heart would be softened to the things of God. And then with an open door, with a little bit of a soft heart, they can begin to discern and receive the spiritual things. That's why we got to pray for the lost, not just criticize them and just say, everybody's going to hell. If they, no, are we praying for them or are we just complaining about them? Amen, somebody? If we pray for them, they can begin to understand. And if they can see and discern, they will receive. Um, the primary advantage then, okay, let me, let me get on board here. Um, the primary advantage of speaking in tongues is that it gets my mind out of the way long enough so that God can operate more fully within me and through me. It gets my mind out of the way long enough so he can operate more fully within me and through me. And I'm going to talk about that in just a second, but let me give you some misbeliefs here before I go to point number two. Some major misbeliefs. The first one is this. Well, if God wants me to have it, he'll give it to me. If God wants me to pray in tongues, he'll give me the ability to pray in tongues. I would say that's partially true for the gift of praying in tongues. If God wants me to give a tongue in a public place, he's gonna give it to me. However, what we're talking about is something behind the scenes, the personal prayer life of ourselves, and he has it for every believer that has the Holy Spirit. Let me show you. Paul writes this, 1 Corinthians 4, 5. Now I want you all, everybody say all. I want you all to speak in tongues right? It's pretty clear. I <laughs> want you all, not some of you. I wished you all could speak. No, I want you all to speak in tongues. This is accessed by faith. It's accessed by faith. Here's a great example. Today, when you walk out these doors, there's a drop, a giving drop box on the right-hand side. You're not going to be walking out today and a dollar bill jump out of your wallet into the giving drop box. And you turn to your spouse and say, honey, oh man, I got the gift of giving today, y'all. Did you see that? The spirit moved in my wallet and the money jumped out right into the drop box. I have the gift of giving. We're gonna have to start budgeting for this because I gotta operate in this gift now. No, what happened? It happens in your control. How do you access the principle of sowing and reaping and the generosity of God? By faith. I start giving. I start being generous with my time, my money, whatever it might be. And in doing so, I see God show up in my life. It's not always I feel like it. No, it's something that I access by faith. And that's how this is. It's available. When I receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, it's available to me, but I got to have the faith guts to go get it. And this is why when I got my start in kids ministry, I got to be honest with you, this message for elementary kids is a lot easier than preaching to you all. Okay. I hate to burst your bubble. Why? Because they, they don't have all these religious hangups. That's why we, Jesus said, have the faith of a child. Why? If God said it, I want it. That's the faith of a child. And so that's, what we, that's where I'm going to show you today. I just want to show you so much scripture so that you say, God wants this for me. If the greatest apostle ever wrote, now I want you all to speak in tongues, that would be my prayer for our church as well as your pastor here at this church. I want you all 
to speak in tongues. The second misbelief is this. Well, I'm going to lose control. I'm going to lose control, right? Like I'm going to be at my kid's ball game, and man, the spirit's going to fall on me. It's like something you can't believe. And I'm going to start, you know, praying in tongues, and then I'm going to start getting that Jericho run all around the ball field, right? And you just can't stop me. I'm going to be praying in tongues. I'm going to be screaming. I'm just going to lose control. You're not. You're not. Let me show you. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 14, we just looked at this. He says, for if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays. If I pray. It does not say, if my spirit prays, I pray. That's not what it says. What's he saying? If I pray, if I choose to pray, it's a choice. We've been talking about this the entire series. The Holy Spirit's not going to, he wants to empower you, not overpower you. He's going to empower you, not overpower you. If the Holy Spirit was going to make any of us do something, he's not going to make us bark like a dog in the corner. He's going to make us more like Jesus. And if he's going to make everybody do something, he would make everybody get saved. Right? If he's going to move how he wants to move, and biblically we see his desire is to bring people into his family, what's he going to do? Get, make everybody get saved. He's going to overpower people to do what he wants, and that's not it. He's looking for somebody to partner with him in this. Uh, misbelief number three is this. I'm going to speak perfectly right away. Like, I'm going to start in this thing, and if you've ever heard somebody genuinely praying in the Spirit, and you, they've been doing it for a while, maybe you've heard somebody in your life, and you're just like, man, they're good at that. Like, that's legit. That, they're really good at praying in the Spirit. Maybe people think that's how I'm going to sound right away. Look at this verse in Isaiah 28, verse 11. It says, For with stammering lips and another tongue, he will speak to his people. Now, in context, here's what that verse is talking about. There's some commentary. This will kind of break it down. He's talking about getting a message to his people. And here's what the, here's what the, um, the commentary says. It says, If the simple, straightforward message is rejected, God will find another way to communicate to the hard-hearted. He will send unusual messengers to bring the word. What's stammering lips? I've, t- I've led this to a lot of kids, a lot of adults before, and they begin to try to pray in the spirit, but all they have is one syllable. Like it's literally just like that's all they got. And a lot of people stop right there and they think, I just don't, I'm not saying anything else. That's not it. Stammering lips is that. In the Hebrew language, one syllable can mean so much more than what we have in our English language. Now, I'm not saying when you pray in tongues, you're, you're speaking in Hebrew. There's a time and a place where God may use you to speak and pray in tongues that may be an actual language. But most of the time in your private time, it's going to be a language that's not known to, the, to any human anywhere. There's a time and a place where God can supernaturally have you speak a language that's known to other humans. But most of the time in your quiet time, it's going to be just something that's outside of your language, outside of your understanding. And you're going to be praying and you may say, I got one syllable. That's it. Can I tell you? That's okay. Because that's biblical with stammering lips and another tongue. So I'm going to say that to say, don't stop. Here's why. When you were born, did you just come out and say, what's up, dad? How we doing? (laughs) Mom, Good to finally see you, man. It's been awesome. It's been one heck of a ride. Let me tell you that much. Um, man, it's good to be here. No. Why do we think that's going to happen with the language of the Spirit? It doesn't happen in English. You learn a syllable at a time. And the more you do it, you begin to develop it. And what is the, your, the parent's posture to the child? When Gavin was growing up, and he would, he, one of the words that he would mess up is he would say, uh, elo instead of yellow. He would drop the Y. 
And when I, he would say that when he was a little kid, I wouldn't look at him and say, man, this kid, you dummy, what are you doing? It's yellow. Was that, I wouldn't do that, right? No. And I also didn't look at him and say, or look at Leslie and say, this, he just doesn't have the gift of talking. He don't got it. Listen to it. Say yellow. Yellow. No, see what I'm saying? Like, I, that's not what I did. What was my posture to my son? As a good dad, trying to be a good dad, I would lean down and I'd say, that's right. Yellow. Yellow. Keep trying. Keep talking. And there's little phrases that he would say that I love. And I lean into it. And what do I do? I encourage it. That's your heavenly father to you. And you may say, I just got one syllable, one stammering lips going on. And your heavenly father's not saying, Pfft. You don't got it. Try harder. Have more faith. That's not him. He's saying, come on, son. Come on, daughter. Trust me a little more. Keep going. Keep practicing. See what my spirit will do. The Holy Spirit, though, he's not going to grab your tongue and flip it around your mouth, okay? That's not how it works. You have to make a sound by faith. And most of the time, you're going to hear something in your mind that sounds like a syllable, and you've got to say it by faith. And so many people say, well, I don't feel anything. I don't feel anything when I do it. Let me say this. Did you, do you always feel something when you pray in English? Or do you do it by faith? There's a lot of mornings I don't feel a lot when I'm praying in English, but I do it by faith. Do you always feel something when you give your tithe? Or do you do it by faith? I do it by faith. Many times we have to start, and even if we don't feel anything, the breakthrough comes later. Point number two is this. It is a pure language. Now that we have a foundation, these last two will go pretty quick. It's a pure language. So it's a language of the Spirit. And it's also a pure language. Let me show you. In the beginning, Genesis 11:1 1 says this, now the whole earth had one language and one speech. So there's many theologians that believe um, in the very beginning, obviously we had one language, one, one speech, but the original language, I don't know how to break this to you, but it wasn't English, okay? I don't know if you know that, it wasn't English. Uh, many theologians believe it wasn't Hebrew either, but they believe it was a heavenly language. And I'm going to show you some scripture, and I'm going to show you what I'm talking about. A heavenly language, even just think about it in the natural. What does a child learn to speak? What, lang what language? The, parent, uh, the parent's language, right? What they hear mom and dad speaking. So Adam likely could have learned the language he heard from God, his father. So they have one language. They get the idea they're going to build a tower to heaven. God comes down, Genesis 11, verse 5. It says this, But the Lord came down to look at the city and the tower the people were building. Look, he said, the people are united. Remember that. They all speak the same language. After this, nothing they set out to do will be impossible for them. Stop. Two important things that lead to the impossible being made possible. They're united and they have one language. United and they have one language. That's important to note. Here's why. There's a prophecy in Zephaniah that is talking about the coming Messiah and what he's going to do with the language. And the prophecy says this. This is of the Messiah talking about what's going to happen. Zephaniah 3.9 says, For then I will restore to the peoples a pure language that they all may call on the name of the Lord to serve him with one accord. Okay? You can't restore. What does that mean? Give back. You can't give back something that wasn't there. I'm going to restore a pure language. Why? So my people will serve me with one accord. What is that? In unity together. Okay? Where do we see that phrase, one accord? A lot. New Testament. New Testament church. 
So we see this prophecy about the Messiah. He's going to give back a pure language so his people can serve him with one accord. And then what do we see in Acts 2? Let's look at it. Acts 2 verse 1. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind and filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then they appeared to them, divided tongues as a fire, and one sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. This is the fulfillment of the prophecy in Zephaniah. They are united as one accord. The Holy Spirit comes and he restores his pure language. And now nothing they set out to do will be impossible for them. Now they can go out and turn the world upside down for Jesus. Now they are emboldened to go and do whatever God asked them to do. And many people say, well, that, that Acts 2 is just for that group of people, right? But two weeks ago, we said, we looked at in Acts 19, 25 years after Pentecost, Acts 2, 25 years later, Paul's first question to disciples when he met them, did you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit when you believed? We didn't even know there was one. 25 years later, that's his first question. And what's he do? He lays hands on them. They begin to speak in other tongues and prophesy. Must be important, right? If that's the first question. But I'll tell you this, in the modern church, we don't even, we don't, we don't ask that, right? Because it's a little weird and it's got a little bit off during times and I don't know about it. But when we look at scripture, it's very, very clear. It's a powerful thing. And so when we pray in the spirit as a church, when we all are in unity with this, it brings unity. It has us speak the same language. And now what does scripture say? Almost like in Genesis, nothing we set out to do will be impossible for us. In our own strength, no, because we operate in the power of the Holy Spirit and the power of his language and in one accord. And in doing so, we bring glory to God and we see the impossible things made possible because we're operating in unity. And it's no wonder then why Paul said, I want you all to speak in tongues. I want you all to speak in tongues. Why? He knew the power of the language. Point number three is this. It's a powerful language. It's a powerful language. Remember, the baptism in the Holy Spirit and, and praying in the Spirit, it's not for our, our salvation. It's for our spiritual success here on this earth. So there are four different ways praying in the Spirit works in our lives. And I could, there's a much deeper study uh, with this, but I'm going to give you the verses where we see this from. Um, and in the future, um, we'll do a deep dive into it. Maybe we'll do some Bible study nights or something like that. But the first one is this. It's a powerful language. What does it do? How is it powerful? Number one is it builds you up. When I pray in the Spirit, it builds me up. 1 Corinthians 14.4 says, The one who speaks in a tongue builds up himself right? There it is. <laughs> he builds up himself. Look at Jude 20, 120. It says, but you, dear friends, must build up your lives even more strongly upon the foundation of our holy faith. How? Learning to pray in the power and the strength of the Holy Spirit. How do I, if I want to build up my life, that's interesting verbiage. I can build myself up spiritually, which is the most important, but I can build myself up mentally in my soul and I can build up myself physically. Many times when I'm sick, I will pray in the spirit because I'm too tired and too weak to pray anything else. You ever been there before? Like, man, I just, in between naps, whatever it is, in between, you know, the puke bucket, whatever you got, you're just praying in the spirit. I don't know what to say. That's all I got. I promise you it'll build you up. And if you need to be built up in your, in your spirit, 
I would encourage you to get alone and pray in the spirit out loud. Even do it loudly, like you're proclaiming, almost like you're preaching a message. You don't have to do that in front of people, but I'm saying when you get alone in your personal time, you'd be amazed at how your spirit will come alive. Number two is this, it brings revelation. First Corinthians 2, 9 says, but as it is written, eyes not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. So many people quote that and they just think that's heaven. That's heaven someday. But in context, it's actually not talking about heaven. Now, I think it can't apply to that. We don't even know all that God has for us in heaven, absolutely. But in context, it's actually talking about here on this earth. But it says in verse 10, but God has revealed them to us through his spirit. For the spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. If you're struggling and you're static in your walk with God and you just feel like, man, I'm just not learning. I just, I'm not getting much. Take time to pray in the spirit before you read God's word and watch how you, you will have revelation in your life. Number three, it releases the power of God. Jesus said in Acts 1.8, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. That word power is where we get the word dynamite. This is not just a little bit of power so that I can, you know, not say a cuss word today. No, what happens when you light a stick of dynamite? It blows things up and it affects everything around it and it leaves a mark. That's because God wants us to walk in such a power that everywhere we go, we leave a mark, that we shift things, that we move things in the spiritual. And people know, man, the power of God was in this place because they can see it in the spiritual realm. They can discern it in the spiritual realm and say, man, things shifted when we prayed tonight. Why? Because it was the power of God working through us. Not we're so great, I have the power. No, his power through me and through using his language. Number four, it always allow, it allows the Holy Spirit to intercede. Romans 8, 26, likewise, the Spirit also helps us in our weakness for we do not know what we should pray for like we ought to, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. That phrase cannot be uttered is the, the word alaletos in the original language. It means beyond words, beyond words, with groanings, with noises, beyond words. It's beyond my own words. It's beyond my understanding. It is beyond anything I can comprehend. And what happens? He intercedes and he prays for things that I didn't even know that I should be praying for. But it prays the perfect will of God on my behalf. When we pray in the spirit, we don't pray selfish, earthly prayers. We pray perfect prayers aligned with God's will. So here's why that's encouraging. You can be praying the total a prayer that's in total agreement with God's word for anything, for your marriage, for your kids, for your finances, for your career, for your future, for your future kids, for your spouse, for your future spouse. You can be praying in the spirit for things that you didn't even know were coming your way. Whether it's for blessing in your life, whether it's for bringing someone into your life, whether it's for preventing something from happening in your life, you can pray in the spirit for it. And guess what? You don't have to carry the burden of knowing every detail in your mind of what might have happened today. You may, God may have saved your life today. You were driving down the road and maybe you left a little bit different. Maybe something came, could have came flying through the window or something, but you prayed in the spirit or somebody prayed in the spirit for you and you didn't even know God saved your life. And guess what? Whoever prayed in the spirit, they probably don't even know either, but that's how big our God is. He said, let me handle the weight of some of those things but I need you to pray in the spirit by faith so I can move. My pastor said it this way, Pastor Willie George. He said, speaking in tongues was given for you to receive the ability of God. 
to be empowered and emboldened. It's for your time of prayer so that you may strengthen yourself to minister to others. I love this part. Praying in tongues helps you pray big prayers. Because if God left us to pray in our own understanding, we would pray way too small. Why? Because I want to think my way through to God. I'm too scared to ask God to do that in my life because that's too big, that's too impossible. He would never do that for me. Maybe he would. If we'd have the faith to pray in such a way where God said, I, I, I want to use your faith in a bigger way. Would you, would you pray and would you allow my spirit to intercede my perfect will and watch what I will do in your life? 1 Corinthians 14, verse 18. I don't have this uh, slide, but it says this. Paul writes, I thank my God. I speak with tongues more than you all. And I'm gonna tell you something. I relate to that verse because as your pastor, and I said this a few weeks ago, I don't know every detail of your life. I don't know every detail of your home. I don't know what strain is in your marriage right now or with a, a child that you have. I don't know what's going on at your work, but I know the one that does. And when I submit and I say, Lord, I'm gonna, I'm gonna pray for our church family. Lord, would you just intercede on my behalf as I pray in the spirit? And I can begin to pray in the spirit daily for you at Abide Church. And I thank God that I do it every day. And see, we think that in order to do this, you gotta be in some you know, perfect service to do this. Can I tell you the most, most time when I do this, I'm driving. I'm driving, I put on some worship music and I'm just praying in the spirit. Most of the times when I'm taking Gavin to school in the morning, I'm just praying in the spirit. Not out loud, not being crazy, not sticking my head out the window. I'm just praying in the spirit to myself, building myself up, maybe praying for you or praying for me. I don't know, but I'm praying in the spirit. I'm trusting God. Because there's gonna be times where you do it daily. You should do it daily. There's times when you do it casually, I'll say. But there are other times when you do it out of necessity. And I've shared this before, but this is the, one of the best examples I have. When Gavin was born, we had to have an emergency C-section. Every con contraction that Leslie had, Gavin's vitals and everything were tanking, like off the charts. Oxygen was being cut off. His heart rate would drop to nothing. It was serious. And I could tell it was serious. And the, the doctor finally said, hey, we have to do this. And as soon as we agreed, about seven to eight nurses came in and they're just throwing operating room garb at me. Hey, put this stuff on, put this cap on your head, put this mask on your face, put this stuff over your clothes. So I'm over in the corner trying to figure out how to put on this operating room garb and they're getting Leslie ready for, for to go in the operating room. And whew, I've never felt the spirit of fear, the spirit of death like I did that day. And man, it came heavy on me. And, I, and all the thoughts, right? If you've been in a situation like that, crisis, you know all the thoughts. You'll never, you'll never see your child alive. Leslie's gonna have complications. You'll never have more kids, everything. Just all at once, fire hose. I don't, I don't have the words in English to respond. And we're jogging down the, the hallway and we go to this back hallway and they take Leslie into the operating room and they sit me outside in the, in the hallway by myself. And that's when the attacks come the worst, when you're isolated. And I'm sitting there and I'm just fighting for my life. And I don't have the words or the strength spiritually, emotionally to say anything in English, but I can pray in the spirit. And so there I just put my head down. I just said, Lord, help me. And I begin to pray in the spirit. I just pray in the spirit. And I don't care at that moment. I don't care if anyone hears me or not. 
because I'm fighting and I need someone that's stronger than me to intercede on my behalf because I don't got it. But the Holy Spirit says, I know that language. I know that prayer. I can go to work for you when I didn't have it. And by the grace of God, we have a healthy boy and I have a healthy wife. Not because we're so great or I had all the perfect English prayer to pray, but because I had a weapon and a gift from God to say, when you don't know what to do, let me use my words for you. But it takes the faith to start, to start. And it may be a syllable. It may be a little tiny word, but I promise you that's enough to start. Praying in the spirit is a language of the spirit of God. It's a pure language. It's a powerful language that does things in our lives. So here's what I'm gonna ask us to do. As we wrap up, I'm gonna wrap up just a little bit different. We're gonna sing one final song and it's only two minutes, a two minute track, okay? But here's what I'm gonna ask you to do today. If you've done this before, you received your prayer language and you use it, during this song, I'm gonna ask you to do it. Not, not distracting, not loud to distract others, but quietly there to yourself. If you haven't done it in a while, today's your day to start it back up. But here's what I'm gonna tell you. Most important today, when we do this, my prayer team is gonna be available on either side. In fact, prayer team, if you guys wanna go ahead and get ready on either side of the room here. The most important thing is this. Today, if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you need to do that. You need to do that. Today, if your life is not right with Jesus, that's your decision today. You need to come up here and you need to make it right with Jesus. If you need salvation during this song, I'm gonna ask you to be bold and come down here and get prayer. Today, if you're in here and say, I've never prayed in the spirit, but I would like someone to lay hands on me and pray with me to receive my prayer language today. I'm gonna ask you to be bold. Here's why. Many times it takes a physical act of faith to build spiritual momentum. It takes a physical act of faith to build spiritual momentum. And that's how it is with your prayer language. You're gonna have to physically do something. The Holy Spirit's not gonna take over, but when you start, he will help you. But I'm gonna ask you to be bold and come forward. And then that physical boldness is gonna empower you spiritually to have some boldness to receive all that God has for you today. And I'm not gonna sugarcoat it. And I'm not gonna have you bow your heads and raise your hands secretly. Be bold. Here's why. If you're not bold enough to walk for Jesus in this room, full of a room full of people cheering you on, it's gonna be very difficult to walk for Jesus in a world tomorrow that is not cheering you on. Watch what God will do. When you operate in boldness and you have the faith to say, I'm gonna take a step today. Would you stand to your feet? I'm gonna pray. We're gonna just sing a really quick worship song. During this song, I'm gonna ask you not to be a distraction to others, but just to pray in the spirit. Take this moment to pray in the spirit. If you need to receive this today, we're ready to pray with you. Let me pray and then we'll worship. Heavenly Father, we love you. We thank you for your goodness. Thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit. Lord, I thank you that you have a pure language and a powerful language for us to access. And Holy Spirit, I pray that today as our helper, you would give us the boldness to take a step to receiving all that you have for us. Lord, I pray for any hindrances, any roadblocks spiritually, mentally, Lord, would you help us remove them today? And as we take a step of faith in the natural, I pray, Lord, that the supernatural would take place in our life. We will receive all that you have for us we begin to operate in this and we would see your power flow. We would be built up in every area of our lives and we expect it. We're in such anticipation for all that you have for you, for us. Lord, we love you. We worship you in Jesus' name. Everyone said, amen. 
Thank you for listening to the Abide Church podcast. If you'd like to partner with us financially, or if you're in the Tulsa area and would like to attend our weekly gathering, you can check out AbideChurch.com.